Hey friends, this is Musing Methodist, where we discuss important issues and topics for Christians to ponder. Uh, today we're starting with a little bit of a conversation about how pink used to be a masculine color, and Chris is wearing pink today. Pink and purple. And how knowing our limits can help us in our discipleship to Jesus, which is pretty cool. I'm John Duff, the assistant pastor here at Danville CMC. And I am Chris Morgan, uh, the lead pastor here at Danville CUMC, and we are glad <laughs> to uh, glad to have you with us today. I said CMC. Um, Instead of UMC Centenary, U United Methodist in Danville. Yes, we're glad uh, we're with you today. If you're watching us, uh, we like to start off by saying, "Hey, how are you doing?" Um, and hope to hear how you're doing. And if you're uh, watching us later, you can also tell us how you're doing. Hopefully, well. So, Chris and our setup here is so that, like, if you type something, we can actually see it next yeah, to us. We can. So that's a good thing, which is pretty cool. I can actually We've learned. I can COVID. also show you. Like, see, we can see your images. That's on the screen that's over here. That's pretty cool. I'll take that off, though. Um, but, so, Chris, how has your week been so far? And well, I have a mirror that does not fog up. That's pretty cool. Which is great. Um, and you wore pink today without <laughs> even knowing we were going to talk about pink. With, without thinking about the topic of the day, I wore pink. Yeah. Uh, last night was a wonderful night of sleep, eight hours and 15 minutes, which is the ideal amount of time for me to sleep. Um, you think the rain helped with that? The rain, the thunder, everybody in my household loved it except for the dog. The dog did yeah. not like the rain or yeah. the thunder. But um, Does the yeah. dog sleep with you guys? I woke up refreshed. The dog sleeps uh, with and around us. Mm. So... Sometimes she's in the chair, sometimes she's behind the chair, sometimes she's at the foot of the bed, sometimes she's under the bed. Hey, Carol and Randall and Patty and Teresa. I had a really nice conversation with Patty and John on Sunday. It was cool. In person. person. We hadn't done a lot of in-person stuff because obviously they've been watching online. So that was nice. Um, So yeah, for me, it started out to be a good good day. Uh, Good night's sleep. Good energy when I came today, and then I realized when I got here that I did not have the information to accomplish what I needed to accomplish this morning. Yeah. So I've been seeking information all day. Yeah, as and it is not have to do with specifically sitting. No, no, it's a district responsibility that <laughs> yeah. that I am I am working on, and it's like yeah. I don't have the info that I need. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. Cool. Sweet. Well, so. Really good start, and then kind of frustrating through the rest of the day. Somewhat frustrating, but when one gets an opportunity to enjoy a fresh, ice-cold L8, it's good. Speaking of which, I was going to say, I am trying to have a healthy eating May. I've decided to be try to work, so I'm giving up all added sugar, so I won't be drinking L8. Or I'm doing is, my best to this avoid is not added eating. sugar. You're right. That's drinking. I, but I'm eating healthily also during if, that. <laughs> if I can avoid sugar in my drink, that'll be good for me. For me, I just drink tea. It's 186 Fine. calories. Yeah. You know, right. you just give up a roll. Yeah, that's true. I do need to give up rolls. But, um, because bread is a lot of calories too. Anyways, that's a side note, obviously. Um, I'm doing pretty good. I felt like good this week. We had an off-site meeting a whole offsite thing yesterday with the staff, which was pretty good. I enjoy I enjoy those types of things, though. That's like my wheelhouse of what I'm good at and what I like to do. Um, and then also, oh, I wanted to say this because 
I don't always talk about this on Tuesday because I work with uh, college and young adult, but we do that on Wednesday nights is our small group. And last week we had 14 people at our group, um, most of which were college students, some of which were young adults, uh, post-college. Uh, and and um, that was really cool. I was really excited about that. Which um, You even had somebody from like 150 miles away. Yeah, absolutely. Out, right? Chris's daughter, uh, Michaela, came. Uh, as well and she's graduated um and um so it was good to have her um and uh we just had a lot of people and people were inviting their friends too which is a very cool and exciting thing and what's really cool is a couple weeks ago for next year our plan is to have a more center-based college group Uh, we're still going to be able to invite others obviously into our group um, but we got approved as a student organization on Center's campus. So we will have a campus ministry, basically, and we'll be able to meet on Center's campus as far as long as, you know, COVID doesn't go crazy. Um, and uh, basically be a Methodist campus ministry on Center's campus, which has not been there, I don't know, forever. Sometime, yeah. at least. So yeah. we are excited about that, and... I hope you all are excited about that. And 14 at our small group was very, very cool and fun. We all had on our masks and uh, being careful and everything, um, but it was a good group. And it was fun to see, you know, a year of kind of plowing the ground and being patient and see, seeing what could be, uh, you know, in the future. So that was really cool. But so that's how I've been recently, I guess. Um Good stuff happening. My May is going to be busy with various things. I'm doing a class to become a local licensed pastor. And then I have a lot of stuff, uh, relational stuff outside of work. So like people getting married, birthdays, and uh, stuff like that. So, um, Carol says, congratulations on the campus ministry. Yeah, and yeah. you're going to start licensed preschool yeah. in how many days? Well, the first like, class is on Friday. I've got to start doing my reading. I need to read a couple books nice. and whatnot. Um, so back into school mode. I've been out of school for a year and um, got to get back into it. So, But I like reading generally. It's just I like reading more at my own pace, I guess, whereas this will force me to read. I like reading the things that I like to read as yeah. opposed to things That's that true. are forced upon me. And this, this will be a lot of – I mean, I have – I have two master's degrees in this stuff, and so this is like, I'm going to know most of this stuff, so I can skim some of the the reading, but don't tell them I <laughs> said that. <laughs> it won't be new to you. It won't be right. new. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but anyways, so um, we're, we're doing well enough, and we're excited. Um, our first news story today is not an animal news segment. Um, but it's a segment, it's a thing, I don't know, I for some reason I've been thinking about this recently, and I just find it interesting. And this news story, I forget where I pulled it from, but um, if you didn't know this in history, um, it's a historical fact that the colors blue and pink. So today, normally when a baby boy is born, they might dress them in blue or give them a bunch of blue stuff, and a baby girl is pink. Um, and, but historically that has not always been the case. In fact, um, they used to be switched where pink used to be the more masculine color. Um, 
such as what Chris is. He's wearing purple and pink, which I actually like purple a lot. And don't don't as forget uh, green. There's green. Oh, you got green too. in there. Well, um, I as, as, no hope <laughs> for me, but that's okay. But but pink used to be the the masculine color, and blue was a feminine color. And actually, um, the colors actually just developed in the 19th century, or that's what we know maybe historically. And uh, in the early 19th century, babies actually, they used to just dress them in white. And they actually wore dresses up until like six or seven years old. Uh, both genders did. Much easier to change diapers. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you have dress on. So. Okay. Yeah, there you go. And then, um, but also they did it in white because it was easier just to bleach the clothes, right? And bleach so, is underappreciated. Yeah. I feel like people should use bleach a lot more often and get their whites a lot whiter. But, yeah. You know, babies babies were dressed in all white. Yeah. Because it's easy to bleach. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and oh, children wouldn't really start wearing more colorful attire and gender-specific items uh, until they reached the age of six or seven. Yeah, that's what I said. It's in the mid-19th century... Um, Light tones and pastel colors started to be more commonly seen on children and associated uh, with little ones. Decade later, pink and blue started to be colored. Uh, a specific example of this uh, says from 1918. So this was just 100 years ago. According to the Smithsonian's, the magazine Earnshaw's Infants Department noted the generally accepted rule is pink for the boys and blue for the girls. Theories to explain this have varied over the years, but it's generally believed that blue was associated with the Virgin Mary, hence its more feminine connotations, while pink was linked to red, which was seen as strong and masculine color. So why not just dress the kid in red? That's true. That's a good question. I don't know. Well, they like the pastel. Um, but I also thought it was inter this article was interesting because it, the title was Here's why why it changed. But actually, the article doesn't say why it changed. It just said it changed. It just changed. And we don't know why exactly it changed. It just said... Um, we kind of know when. Like yeah. Post-World War II. Yeah. Post-World War II. Uh, yeah. And so it was common for women, to, mothers to be told masculine color, like pink to dress your baby for boy. Sorry. And girls do the alternative blue. Strangely enough, in wake of World War II, the script was flipped. And pink suddenly started being marketed and sold by fashion brand retailers as the perfect color for women. And blue was suddenly manuline, manly and masculine. So um, here's why time travel would be so problematic. Okay. Yeah. So let's say you went back to the, to the late 1800s and you see this child dressed in pink. Yeah. And you walk over to dad and say, oh, what a lovely little girl you have. And Maybe dad punches you out. Yeah. Because... It's it's clear that he's a boy, yeah, because he's wearing pink. Because he's wearing pink. It's interesting, but the so, so uh, we don't know why it changed, but we do know historically after World War II was when like advertising ran like ramped up huge, and that's when we became kind of this consumeristic culture because people would advertise, and actually it's linked to the way the Nazis um, did their. Um, advertising or the way they did their propaganda, the propaganda is actually how companies learned to start marketing which is kind of scary and i'm i'm yeah i'm not really for a lot of the advertising stuff but anyways that's okay um i bought an ad blocker that i use on my on my computer yeah. 
and uh, I probably paid twenty dollars for the ad blocker, and it has probably saved me six seven hundred dollars. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the ads are really great. But anyways, I mean, great for businesses. They they make people money. Uh, but anyway, pink and blue switch. But I think that's interesting. One of the reasons I think it's interesting is because like so often we have these like ideas of what is masculine and what is feminine. But then, like, this is an example of where it's really quite, like, historically, it's switched. They've, they've changed a bit over changed. time, yeah. And so, um, it's it's not bad to be masculine and manly or to be feminine, but it's just interesting how sometimes they change and our ideas are not necessarily, you know, perfect. And so, I don't know. Do you have anything else, other thoughts on that? I just don't think bleach is underappreciated. Yeah, there you go. For its cleaning properties, for its whitening properties. Yeah. For its antibacterial and antiviral properties. Yeah, cool. Sweet. Um, I don't know where to go from there. But, so our main topic today, we'll switch over to our main topic. Transition slide. Um, today we are talking about knowing our limits. And how knowing and living within our limits um, can help us in our discipleship to Jesus. And so we'll contrast this with kind of what I see and what I feel like the culture and most of the world kind of lives by this, like, almost like this seize the day, do all you can, be all you can be attitude, which is kind of the, the military, which is not, I'm not anti that, but uh, kind of just this idea of nonstick Nonstop activity as well as productivity as well as um, especially the young people we think about fear of missing out and that we want to do everything that we can in our life and experience uh, not just do but experience everything uh, versus like this understanding that hey I'm just one person I can't do everything I can't do everything great either I can do some things really well but I'm also pretty pretty lousy at some things. Um, as well as like, I'm just one person in one spot at a time. I'm human and I'm finite. Um, so do you want to talk about some of the kind of scriptural stuff? One of my favorite writers, um, if you ever get the chance to read him, you can read him again and again and again. G.K. Chesterton, who had this almost manic need to write, and he would write on napkins. He would write on the train. He had... Just, uh, he wrote books, he wrote plays, he wrote newspaper columns, he just wrote, 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 wrote. And one of his, uh, he was a devoted Christian, and one of the things that he talked about was that Orthodox Christianity, so many people find to be confining and uh, smothering, suffocating. Um, yeah. G.K. Chesterton says, Orthodox Christianity is anything but confining and smothering that orthodox christianity is like a playground mm. that there are these limits to orthodoxy yeah but we get to play and participate in and create and live and learn and grow within within these limits yeah and yeah. uh Sometimes the limits keep us from falling off of a cliff. Mm -hmm. uh, other times, uh, the limits just keep us safe from um, the prowling animals outside. But, but yeah. he, he encouraged people to see orthodoxy as a set of boundaries mm -hmm. that are freeing. Yeah. That a child is much more free 
within the boundaries of a fenced-in playground yeah. than yeah. they are just out in the wild. Yeah, so absolutely. That's what... I mean, there was an experiment done with that, probably. I don't know when it was. And I'm just thinking off the top of my mind. So, But, like, how, like, when kids don't have a boundary fence, they're mm-hmm. all more likely to play towards the center. But then when they have the boundary, they explore more of the land and the space that they're able to play in, um, which is interesting. So yeah. knowing our boundaries. They even feel more free Yeah, yeah. When, when there are boundaries. And so, yeah. like, biblically speaking... Um, the very beginning, we've got this idyllic garden that um, God places humanity in, and like the garden itself is a is a kind of limited area, mm-hmm. uh, and then within the garden there is this single boundary that yeah. that separates obedience from from disobedience. So, um, at the at the very beginning, God sets up this this boundary for his creatures yeah um, yeah you know, do not do not eat yeah and otherwise they're free to walk with god yeah. in the garden they're free to tend the garden they're free to eat anything they're even free to talk with a snake yeah. Um, yeah and and one of the things i love about our creation story is that it, it gives us like this notion that we're made in the image of god which is an important message to remind us that we have and, and a lot of times we think of that in like our, our potential and our goodness and, and we have like this almost unlimited potential in a way. But it also tells us then that we're made of dust. So as humans, we're like finite and we can't do everything. Uh, dust is kind of not thought of to be super great, super valuable. And that's what we're made of. Like we're, we're just dust. We don't have like superhuman powers and whatnot. And so there's a, a limit of who we are we're not we're not god we're, we're creation and that's important wonderful scripture that says you know god remembers that we are but dust. yeah absolutely god does not expect um mm-hmm. more from us than we are able to offer because yeah. he he knows us yeah and then uh i think of another story that speaking of limits is uh i guess next um, chronologically, what I was thinking was David. That the David David does so much for Israel, and he's the um, he's his second king. But he he really develops Israel as a nation in so many ways. Um, but then he wants to then go and build a temple, and uh, and he he wants to do this, and his heart is in a good place. God says, "I love your heart. I'm glad that you want to do this, uh, but I don't want you to do this." And so God places a limit on what David will do. And I think that's interesting because he says, well, your son Solomon will build the temple. And it's interesting because David was so good at so many things and he did such good things. But then God says, no, you're not the one to do this. Solomon's going to do that. And and I think possibly, it doesn't necessarily say that, that part of that was because Solomon then you, we see is this great builder and he builds this incredible, beautiful temple. And if David had built it, then maybe it would not have necessarily been as you know beautiful or majestic as when Solomon did. So, I don't know. That's fine. But you want to do... Yeah, the... the kind of Jesus. Or... The, yeah, the, the scandal of particularity is what the philosophers call it. Of, yeah, okay. You know, the, the idea that when, when God comes, God comes in a specific place at a specific time. Yeah. And the fact that we live in time and space... 
means that Jesus can be born in New Orleans or Bethlehem, but not both. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jesus can walk and learn to talk in um, Israel, or he could do so in Italy, yeah. but not both. Yeah. Yeah, there, there is this specific time and place, and uh, sometimes that seems scandalous to us that yeah. God, who is omnipresent, who is omnipotent, um, sets aside some of those things to participate in our own limitations and in yeah. what it yeah. means to be limited as a human being. So yeah. um, Jesus has experienced the limits that we have. You know, yeah. When he gets tired, there he is on the boat. He's asleep in the storm. Mm -hmm. um, he's asleep in the storm because he's absolutely worn out. Uh, mm -hmm. The same reason that, that many of us can sleep on an airplane or, or, or yeah. you know, a boat or, or whatever. He's absolutely worn out. And so yeah. he, he has participated in those, in those limits. Yeah. Yeah. And we could talk about various other examples. I think of Paul and then he goes to the Gentiles and not the Jews because, you know, the Jews don't really accept him. And, and, but he's like, okay, I can't serve the Jews. Let's just go to the Gentiles where they're going to accept the message of Jesus that I'm telling them. Um, but, but anyways, and so, and so now I'm going to like, Ask us, okay, so let's think about what are our limits as human, and where are the different limits in our lives? Um, and I think of like simple. The first one is that you know we only have twenty four hours in a day, right? And so we can't do everything. We can only do as much as one person can do in twenty four hours in a day, which includes having to sleep, right, and eat, and all these normal things. Um, we also have a limits of like our stage of life where we are, which includes our marriage and our singleness and our, our families, our kids. And so Chris has six, five kids, six kids. And, and there's like only so much he can do because of that. And part of being a dad and being a husband is a part of his life where that's not a part of my life as a single person. And so, but then I have other limitations as a single person as well uh, we're also limited by our personality right uh, and so within our some of us are more gregarious and outgoing or, or chatty and some of us are more quiet and chill and reserved and um, maybe even you know contemplative and and some of those some of those limits can be un well I'll yeah. say unlearned some of those limits can be overcome yeah with uh, yeah with intentionality but yeah. there are some of those limits that are that are built in yeah, and, and can be fine to say, yeah, it's, it's, sometimes it's okay to say, okay, this is just me. And then other times, what Chris is saying, is we can learn to grow in our, our lives as well. Our, we also have limitations of our our bodies and our health issues. Like we, we as human beings have bodies and my body is not, you know, seven foot. So I'm probably not going to play in the NBA. Like there's a limit there. Um we also have, as we grow, you know, we have an age, we have different health issues, and we can either pretend like those don't exist and run from them, or we can live within them and realize, okay, I'm limited now. I can't, you know, I don't know, play soccer the same way I used to or whatnot. So, yeah. So we, and then um, on top of that, we only have a certain amount of good relationships that we can have, like friendships or, or family friendships, right? And that, you know, 
uh, is a big thing versus like in today's world because of Facebook we're like oh I have like a thousand friends well you don't have a thousand friends you have a thousand Facebook friends but like those people you're not close with and you don't have intimate relationships with and I mean so that's a limit like for me living in Danville now whereas I lived my whole life in Lexington uh, and, and this is also a limit of where you physically are <laughs> like I can't I can't maintain all my Lexington friendships the same way as when I lived there. And so I, pretending like I'm going to be able to is just, it's just silly. Like I won't be able to. Um, so how, and so, yeah, like we've talked a lot about limitedness and the kinds of limits that we have. Yeah. How, how do these affect our discipleship? Like what, what do they mean for our growth in Jesus and who we are and who we're becoming? Yeah, and, and that's definitely really an important question. Well, I, one of the things I think is knowing our as we grow to know God, we also learn to know ourselves better. And I think when we don't know our limits and we don't live within our limits, we fill our lives with things that were not meant for us from God. Um, and whether that's a really busy schedule that um, gets in the way of slowing down and being with God and being with the other people in our lives and our relationships that we are called to love, um, or, or whether that's just like, I'm trying to do something that I'm not very good at, and maybe I should say no to that and do something else that I am good at to, to further the mission of God. Like, um, you know, sometimes we just feel like we have to say yes to everything, right? No. But but we can we can say no because saying you, what were you saying you had something on that earlier right that that we just had this feeling that we need to say yes and we fill our lives with good things yeah but that filling our lives with good things doesn't mean we're filling our lives with the best things the best things are yeah what god intends for us and how how God intends for us to live and, and God intends for us to have abundant life, mm -hmm. which is not the same thing as a busy life. We're, yeah. we're to the point where I, I go places and, uh, especially in the world of church, um, but also in the world of business, yeah. you know, for, for a boss to say, Oh, look at Samantha. She is just really, really busy. Like that is a compliment. Yeah. That's, and, and, yeah. and sometimes yeah. the person who receives such a compliment will just beam. Yeah, I'm busy. I'm busy. Yeah. Like busyness and importance are seen to be synonymous when in fact, like in our culture, yeah, in our which, culture. And, um, there's something about authenticity in yeah. the world of discipleship. There's something about spending the time to know God yeah. and, and that's a, tr that's a lot of trouble for, for some people who are engaged in such busyness that, yeah. that they feel like they can't be quiet. They can't listen to God. Yeah. They've got to be doing something. Feel guilty if they're not doing something. If you grew up on a farm, there's always something to do on a farm. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. You might feel guilty for, uh, setting aside an hour. Um, yeah, to be still, to yeah. be still, and to know that the Lord is God. Yeah, and um, I also think like uh, like this. That's important. Like 
saying no to things and having time for space in your life and, and being just being with God as well as just being with people without kind of this um, agenda or purpose behind it just to, to love and be with others. I also think like knowing your limits and what you're good at and what God has called you to is important so that you can do those things and not try to do it. So for example, Jesus, we said, was in Israel. Like he lived his life, you know, in this very small, he didn't go off to China or Africa or other parts of Europe. Like he lived in one spot and he didn't try to heal everyone. Um, he just healed the people that were there in front of him and where God was calling him to. Um, but I also think, for example, like we as a family of God, if we focus on what we're good at, then that also frees up things for others to do and to be good at as well. And so like I may be good at one thing and Chris may be good at another thing. But if I'm trying to do the thing that Chris is good at, I might not do a good job of it. And if I just stop and let Chris do it, he might do a better job uh, than me, right? So there are some people that we love at our church, but we probably would not put them as a greeter or the hospitality person, right? And it would be silly to try to force them to do that. And maybe they need to grow in that area of their life, sure. But why don't we just put the, the more gregarious, bubbly person or, or whatnot in that position and let the other person do um, other things, you know? We're the body of Christ, and yeah. yeah, the the whole image of the body of Christ, and we need each other, and we need the the complementary gifts that God has given us. Yeah. So, be who God has called you to be, and part of that is that you're finite. You're only one person. Uh, you can't do everything. You can't be all things. Um, I think that is important for for us as pastors we think of that like there's different pastors that have different giftings and uh, when you try to be everything to the church you kind of fail at everything but if you say this is who i am this is what i'm good at one you do a much better job of that and then two you allow the church to pick up where you're at the things that you're not good at and, and the people around you develop as well um and that's really really quite important and a good thing. So it's kind of limits. Do you have any other thoughts or and boundaries and limits? They're just everywhere. You, you yeah. know, they're yeah. orthodoxy. There's this whole wide spot of orthodoxy yeah. where you know we get to we get to play in the playground according to G.K. Chesterton. Yeah. Uh, there are limits, but like we said earlier, that that saying yes to something inevitably means you're mm -hmm. saying no to other. You know, when when I said yes to Melinda uh, mm -hmm. when we yeah. got married. Um, then, then I implicitly said no to uh, every other person that that I could have married. Yeah. Um, and so, just just life itself, uh, we recognize the limits that that we have, and we operate within those, and we get a chance to operate joyfully within those yeah. if uh, if we allow ourselves to. Yeah, absolutely. So, I think it's important discipleship issue um and i think it's something that's you know very difficult in our culture today because our culture is one of trying to be infinite trying to be all you can be um which is a message that a lot of people need to hear for sure there are certainly people who are not what they could be yeah and yeah. need to be more than they are yeah yeah um but there so are there's also, a balance yeah yeah there are also people who 
who are so driven and so concerned and worried about about life um, that that they really need to recognize their own limitations that they're not the saviors of the world that mm-hmm. that, yeah. that God is is using yeah. all of history to to uh, accomplish God's ends. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, living, knowing your limits, and living within your limits are, is a way of saying yes to God and saying no to other things, and so um, that's important. So, uh, uh, what else do we have coming up in the next few weeks at the church? Yeah. At the church, we are doing, we're continuing our series on the parables from um, the Gospel of Matthew on Wednesday evening, and you can join us virtually at 6.30, or you can join us in person in the multi-purpose room. I'm excited for that one. That's going to be a good one. And then uh, we also have Pine Cove uh, Camp coming up, or Camp in the City. Uh, that's the end of May, May 30th. Our, our counselors will be with us. And so if you know anyone that wants to come to camp, we can do that. We're excited about that. Tell, tell your friends and people about camp. People who are currently in kindergarten through currently in fifth grade yep. are eligible to come. Absolutely. Anything else coming up in the next month or so? Um, I can't. I don't know. Those those are our things that we're focusing on. Pentecost in a big way. is coming up. Pentecost will be maybe here. we can talk about Pentecost next time, but we have a few weeks until then, right? We do. Oh, our youth. We have Senior Sunday is the sixteenth. We're recognizing our high school seniors, and if you know a college student or a high school student who has graduated, uh, please let us know. You can message Kathy at her email, Kathy at danvillecumc.org. We're gonna hopefully put all of the people. Uh, that we can, uh, we can recognize them and put them in our bulletin insert. And uh, we don't want to miss anyone, but we know that we will miss people without your help. So please help us with that, because uh, um, there's a lot, there's a lot of people graduating, yeah. and people that Chris and I are only been here for a short amount of time, so we don't know everyone. We haven't watched everyone well. grow up from exactly. infancy so, to graduation. So we want to be able to recognize your student. And uh, say, congrats. Um, so it's pretty cool. All right. So that's us. Thank you guys for joining us. We'll wrap us out. Let me play our music and you can give us a blessing. All right. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and grant you peace that passes understanding through Jesus Christ our Lord, as you remember who you are, made in the image of God, and yet with various limitations um, that, once we recognize, will allow us to live more fully. Go in peace. See you guys.